come on, who's glad to be in church today? Come on, can we? Come on, let's, I'm talking about God. Let's give him our best praise. Yeah, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. It's an awesome day and uh, welcome to everybody. So glad that you're here in the room and so glad that you're here. It's good for me to get to see all of you today. And, and also I'd like to say to those who are online or watching on demand or at our 430 campus, we want to say welcome to them. So come on, City Hope. Let's give all those that are on the other side of the camera. Come on, give them a big hand. They're part of our family. They're part of our family. And so we thank you. We thank you for being there. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, I'm Derek Sowell, and I have the privilege of serving here as one of the pastors uh, at this church, and it's, it's such an honor for me. It's a wonderful opportunity to be a part of such a great team, part of a, a wonderful church, a church that loves people, a church that loves Jesus, a, love that, a church that reaches out in the community and unashamed loves the community. I love our pastor. I love the vision of this church. It's a, honestly, if you hadn't figured it out yet, I feel like it's my dream job, getting to serve here at City Hope, and it is a blessing. And I'm so glad, glad to know all of you. And if I hadn't met you, I'd love to meet you. Uh, after the service would be a great opportunity. Uh, but I, I was thinking about that, you know, and, and so if I can move on just a little bit farther. Um, we've been in a series, and the title of the series is The Second Coming, and Pastor Caleb and Pastor Ben, they have done just an amazing job with some pretty challenging material. Uh, I believe that it's a, a, a tough topic often to, uh, to deal with end times, to deal with the return of Christ and, and the rapture of the church. There's a lot of questions that people have. And, uh, and so it's my job today to finish off the series. Pastor Ben will be starting a, another wonderful series next week. But it's my job today to close the series out and I'm going to share with you a message I've entitled, We Are Going to a Wedding. Y'all know, know weddings are, are, you know, they're pretty, pretty something, aren't they, right? I mean, uh, you know, sometimes they're wonderful and beautiful and everything goes well. And sometimes things don't go well. And, uh, you know, you'll have uh, this person coming out at the wrong time or the caterer brought uh, beanie weenies instead of caviar and, and just all these things, you know, got their wedding mixed up. Sometimes the groom, he'll, he'll pass out or whatever. Uh, and, and, and I tell people when I'm doing some pre-marriage counseling, I'll tell them, say, look, you just prepare, do the best that you can, you know, plan, plan, and do the best you can. But when it's time, it's time. And you just do it and let the rough end drag. Is that right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, you know, I'm from Alabama, and I don't know if y'all can handle all that Alabama stuff, you Texan people. So y'all just going to have to hang on. But we, we say let the rough end drag in Alabama, and y'all ought to be able to figure out what that's all. Just get her done. You know what I mean? And, uh, but we're, we're going to a wedding, y'all. That's what I want to talk about for a little while this morning. Now, one of the things that I love to do when I'm reading Scripture is I love to just kind of imagine that I'm in the room. Uh, I love to just kind of put myself in the room. I like to try to bring context, you know, to, to bear in my mind, you know, what the room must have been like or what the setting must have been like. And, and if there's enough people there, I like to insert myself in as maybe one of the individuals there and just imagine. Or, or if, if there's a lot of people there, you know, when the movie's being filmed in your town and you're walking down the street, they'll say, hey, you, come over here and stand right there. And I like to be an extra, you know what I'm saying, in the, in the scene and uh, maybe a fly on the wall. I like, to, I, like to, I like to imagine myself there. 
And we're going to go to the passage of Scripture that Pastor Ben's been using throughout this series, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And, uh, but before we read that verse, I want to give you a little bit of the background. I want you to insert yourself into the story and just imagine for a moment what it must have been like to be in the room. So what's happened leading up to this passage of Scripture? Jesus and his disciples have come to Jerusalem earlier in the week. They came to Jerusalem, and, and, and it was kind of, you know, crazy a little bit because they were nervous about going there because there was, a, you know, all these things going on. But Jesus was super popular, and they were, they were kind of worried. And, and so as they're coming to town, Jesus on the outskirts says, hey, go to this guy's house, and he's going to have a donkey, and, and, and you just tell him the master needs it, and he'll give it to you. And, and so they went, and they are like, wow, the master needs it, and there's the donkey. And, 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 and so they get the donkey, and... Jesus said, hey, and y'all go down to this place and, and there will be a room available for us and y'all set up, you know, for us to have a, a supper. And so anyway, when they came into town, people just lined the streets. Now, get there. I want you to see the dust coming up off the ground. You know what? They had an answer for that. They didn't want the dust getting all up on the, the victorious rider. They would throw palm branches down on the road. Well, Jesus is riding in on this donkey, and, 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 and you're there, and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're saying, Lord, save us. They're saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, son of David. And they're just receiving him as a victorious conqueror. And they're like, man, this is cool. This is cool, you know. And, and they come to town, and they're all just feeling good. Everything's working out. And, and so they've prepared this meal later in the week, and this is getting close to where we are in the passage. And they're all sitting around rubbing their bellies because they'd had plenty to eat, and they're reclining on pillows. You're reclining on pillows. You're sitting there with them. You're one of the disciples. You're sitting there, and, and everybody's feeling good. They were feeling so good that they, it was like, man, this is going to happen. Jesus is going to take over. And they, some of them started arguing about who was going to be his right-hand man, you know? I mean, they're feeling good. They're, they're like, man, this is going good. And Jesus starts talking. And he looks at around the room of these 12 disciples, these brothers, been traveling together with Jesus for three and a half years, watching the miracles, watching, watching all the things that he'd done, watching him play with the children, probably hearing him tell jokes, laughing, enjoying Jesus, watching him raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and talk to people that he, society said you can't talk to them because they're, you know, that, those folks. And, and touching people that society said don't touch them because they're unclean. And they watch Jesus. and Man, it's all going good. But they're just sitting around and, and Jesus starts talking and he's talking to these brothers that know each other. Not really brothers, but brothers by choice. And he says, one of y'all are going to betray me. One of y'all are going to turn me in. And they're looking around the room like, who in the world could that be? Imagine the feeling that's coming in the room now. Starting to get a little bit heavy in there. And Jesus, the Bible says he takes a piece of bread because, you know, we get the communion from where they had observed the communion before and, and all the things that happened that night. And at the point, you know, Jesus, as he was talking, he, he took a piece of bread, you know, earlier and he tore that bread. And as he tore it, as they heard that unleavened bread tearing in the silence of the room, Jesus said, this is my body. Broken for you. Take it and eat it. And every time you remember it or do it, remember me. Every time you eat it, remember me. And then he took this cup of wine and, and he said, 
This is my blood which is shed for you. Think about what he's saying to them. I mean, they're like, he's already told them that there are things coming. There, there's, there's challenges ahead. And now he's talking about his body being broken and his blood being shed. And he says, and, and, and you take it and drink it. And every time you drink this cup, remember me. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And he's, this heaviness is coming in the room. And then a little bit later he says, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. And they're looking around the room like, what is going on in here? And he identifies Judas with a piece of bread. He says, the one that I dip this piece of bread and share it with, he's the one. And he dips the bread, gives it to Judas. The Bible says Satan comes into Judas. You're there. You're watching it. You watch his countenance change. And the Bible says that Satan entered Judas and Jesus looked at him and he said, what you must do, go do it quickly. And Judas gets up and rushes out of the room. You're watching all this go on. Imagine what it feels like. Jesus keeps talking. He says, I'm going somewhere, and y'all can't go with me. I think Jesus was from Alabama too. <laughs> y'all can't go with me. And, and these guys that's been traveling with Jesus every day for three and a half years and seeing the miracles and, and all this stuff, and, 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 and all, they're like, what are you talking about? I mean, we've left everything to follow you, and, and now you're telling us we can't go with you. And Peter pipes up, and he's like, Lord, I'll go with you anyway. I'll go with you anywhere. In fact, Lord, I will die for you. And he looks at Peter with all the tenderness that only Jesus can have. He looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, I love you too. I'm paraphrasing. He's like, I love you too, Peter, but I want you to know before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny that you even know me three times. Imagine the heaviness in the room. Imagine what it must have felt like in the room. And as Jesus is looking around at their troubled faces, John chapter 14, verse 1, here's what he says. He says to these men, let not your heart be troubled. You hear it? It's perfect. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. One translation says many rooms. And he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. In fact, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now think about that for a moment. Think about what he's saying to them in that moment. The perfect words for the perfect scenario. Don't be troubled. I'm going away, but I'm going to come back and get you. Now I thought about this and I was like, you know, Lord, what's, what's this really all about? You know, and, and you wonder, you know, Jesus is going away to prepare a place. What, what's that all about? What is he going to prepare a place for us for? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. He's going and making preparations for a wedding. He's going to make preparations for a wedding. And there's good news. We are all, we're all invited to that wedding. And I wish you would look at your neighbor and say, hey, we're going to a wedding. We're going to a wedding. You got to drop the G off then if you want to say it like Alabama boy. You got to say, we're going to a wedding. You know? We're going to a wedding. See, Jesus said, I will come again and receive you to myself. Now, John wrote that passage of Scripture. God used him to write that. You know, there was one author, but many penmen. John was the penman of the Gospel of John. He was also the penman for the book of Revelation that we've been studying. And just many years later, John is on the Isle of Patmos. It's a prison island. 
And he's out there and he's an old man. He's received this vision from the Lord of end times. And he writes in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7 describing that day. He says, let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. I want you to remember that last portion that I just read. For the good deeds, good deeds are the fine linen that's been given to the bride. Now when I think about end times, when I think about all the things that we read about, you know we read about, you know in, in the book of Revelation, we read about these flying creatures that, that are spitting fire and have stingers in their tail and and all that kind of stuff. And, and John trying to describe what he was seeing that was many years ahead. And, and, you know, we like to think about that stuff and try to wonder, well, is he talking about helicopters and he's talking about missiles and is he talking about nuclear war and all this and that? And there's many things about end times that remain a mystery. And there's many things about the return of Christ and the rapture of the church that remains a mystery. But there's one thing more than anything that I think people want to know more than anything else is when. They want to know when. So here's the thing I want, I want to tell you. There are some things that we can know, and the, I want to share a few of those things that we can know. And the first thing that we're going to talk about right now is that he has planned his return precisely. Now think about that. When we think about when, when we think about when will all this happen, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows. No one knows. Not the angels. Not Jesus. Only the Father. That's what that verse says. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And so according to that scripture, no matter how much we think about it, no matter how much we study about it, the truth is that we're never really going to know when until it happens, right? But he has planned his return precisely. There's some things that we, we can know. And so I want us to think about that for just a minute, this precise planning. Now, I've got to tell you something that came to my mind as I got to this place in the message preparation. You know, we, we plan things like everything now, right? I mean, we plan everything. We plan wedding proposals, you know. He, he thinks about it and, and he's timing it just right. He's going down on his knee as the sun is starting to set, you know, and the rose petals leading up to the spot and, and all these people hanging out in the, in the, so that she don't know that they're there. They've flown in from all over the country, secretly told everybody the perfect ring. And then I'm thinking to myself, he's going down to invite, you know, invite her to be his wife. And what if she says no? All these people flew in from everywhere. I mean, come on. I mean, we plan everything. I mean, baby announcements, we plan those and gender reveals, you know. There, there's all kinds of things that people do to, to get a surprise of what the baby's going to be. Birthday parties. Man, we have to have a venue for birthday parties nowadays, right? And, 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 and you have to give everybody that comes a present. Now, that's backwards, isn't it? I mean, party favors, come on. I mean, I'll supposed to be bringing me one, right? So much elaborate planning. The one that got me the most. They even have elaborate plans nowadays for a guy 
to ask a girl to the prom. Yeah. I learned it's called a promposal. I mean, we plan everything. We plan everything so elaborate. And, 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 and I don't guess I got the memo on such things when I asked my wife to marry me. So we had been dating three weeks and I decided she was the one. I bought a ring. I hid it in my coat pocket. We're riding down the road in my Toyota four-wheel drive. I said, hey, reach in my coat pocket and get me a pen. She reaches in, comes out with a fuzzy box. I look over at her and I go, will you? And she goes, I reckon. <laughs> I mean, that's how it happened, you know. And, and it must have been okay because next month, next month, June 25th, 30 years of marriage, you know, and I'm praising God. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Stephanie often sings at night through many dangers, toils, and snares we have already come. His grace has brought us safe this far, and His grace will lead us on. If you know the old amazing grace, I mean, I tell you, but God's been good to us. But I, I, think, about, I think about all that, and, and I want us to kind of go into this verse of Scripture with an idea of what's going on, you know? with a context of what's going on in the passage. How do you know, Pastor Derek, that this is about a wedding? Well, I, I want to tell you. So the Bible was written to an ancient Jewish culture. It wasn't written to, you know, a Western culture like we are in 2023. It was written in the culture of the day. And so in the culture of the day, living in that, you would understand more. You'd see more about what Jesus was saying. And so let's think about what it looked like for a young man to take a wife in Jesus' day. See, the bulk of that arrangement happened without the bride's input. This guy, he would find this girl and he'd tell his dad and his dad would get with her dad. They'd get together and they'd talk about this potential match. And, and they would, you know, one family is an arrangement between two families. and One family's losing a, a productive member of the family. Another family's gaining her. So they're discussing what is this worth? So they discuss this, the value of this exchange and, and, and they come to an agreement that, you know, she's worth this much or whatever and, and for you to take her, you're going to have to give me this much, you know, this, for me to give her in marriage, you're going to have to, you know, because I'm losing her. And so they would make that agreement and after that agreement, the price was paid, the father and the son would, would leave and go back to the father's house. And the bride would stay there and waiting. I read one place in preparation for this message that sometimes she'd be waiting up to seven years for the groom to come back and get her. I mean, it wasn't like a set day like we do. You know what I mean? It was, it was later. And so he would go away. She would stay there and waiting. And, and while he was gone, what he would do is he would build a room or he'd build an addition onto his father's house. And probably he was excited about, hey, I'm going to have a, a new wife. And maybe he was working hard and fast and trying to get it done. And can I go today, Dad? Can I go today? And, 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 and you know, the father was like, well, no, son, it's just not ready yet. It's just not ready yet. This is your bride. She's going to spend the rest of her life with you. And y'all going to raise children in this home. And, 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 and it's got to be right. And, and he, he works on his son. And his son works and works. And then finally, the day comes. Father walks in and he looks around. And he says, it looks in order. It looks ready. To go get your bride. I want you to think about now, I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to think about Jesus and us. See, Jesus left his home in heaven 
and came to earth in search of his bride. He found his bride and he paid the price in his blood for you and for me. He paid the price and he invites us to be a part of his bride. He invites us to be a part of this wedding ceremony that he's gone away to prepare. See, I want you to understand that, that, that Jesus bought it with his own blood and we say yes to him. He returned back to his father's house. That's what he did. But what was he doing there? I want you to look back to John chapter 14 and down in the middle way about verse number two. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. I wish you'd look at your neighbor and say, he's coming again. See, y'all, we are, we are going to a wedding. Jesus returned to heaven, and he's been overseeing the building, you know, the building arrangements, this, this work in heaven. I like to think how heaven must be, you know. You look at this world and all the beauty of this world, and, 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 and when we think about the world and all the things, six days, wow. Niagara Falls, Grand Canyon, all these things that God has done in this world, the beauty of it all. What must heaven be like 2,000 years in working? Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him and look for his appearing. That's what it's talking about. That means I can't even imagine with all the things I know in the scripture about heaven, there's even things I can't even imagine. He says, Derek, you can't imagine it. And there's coming a day when everything is perfect that the Father will say, everything's ready, son. Go get your bride. Jesus, Jesus has a, a plan. And he's precisely planned his return. The same passage that we use in weddings, I want to read to you again. I want you to look at it in a different light. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. For this reason a man shall leave his wife and be joined, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, not his wife, y'all, excuse me. But he will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. And I want you to see that last phrase. I'm speaking concerning Christ and his church. I mean, marriage is a representation of a very special relationship that God wants to have with his people, a closeness. So remember that as we move forward. Secondly, I find that not only does he have a precise plan, but he expects the bride to be preparing. Ephesians 5.27 tells us why. That he might present to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I think that we forget that the coming of the Lord... Y'all is a love story. I think we forget that. I think we, his bride, I mean, we focus on all the tough things that are going on in the world during tribulation. And I think we forget that it's a love story. I think in our current time, I think we see all the things going on, decline in society, you know, decaying morality and increasing corruption. And I think we, we forget that it's a love story. But it all makes sense to me that the worse and worse things get in this world, the more and more the groom would want to rapture his bride out of all of that, right? I mean, it's a wonderful love story. And, and I, if, you, if you will, for just a moment, again, put yourself in the head or in the mind of a bride maybe in our time. Think about that. Maybe you can remember uh, your day when you got married. Think about it for a moment. He asked you to marry him. 
you said yes. And maybe it was something you'd been dreaming about from the time you were a little girl before you knew who the groom was. You wanted the perfect dress. The perfect dress. It had to be perfect. Everything had to be just right. In fact, the shoes, the perfume, the earrings. She wants the day to be perfect and she can't wait. She has no desire for anyone else but her groom. And she's waiting, keeping herself only for him. There's a story in the scripture in Matthew chapter 25 about ten virgins. I think Pastor Ben referred to it one time earlier. These ten virgins, what, what, what it was is they were a part of the wedding party. Their job was to hold a lamp that was burning. And when the cry went out, the bridegroom is coming. They were to go out and they were to light the way for the, the groom that was, that was coming into the wedding. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. Well, in the waiting, they got tired and they took a nap. While they were sleeping, it was time and they heard the cry and they woke up and, and they rushed out to meet the, you know, to get, in, get ready for the bridegroom to come. And, and, and five of those virgins, their lamp had burned out because they didn't get ready. They said to the ones whose lamps were burning, the wise ones, they said, give us some of your oil so that we can be a part of this thing when he gets here. They're like, we don't have enough. If we give you ours, ours will go out too. You need to go buy some. And while they were gone, the bridegroom came. He went in. They all went in. The doors were closed and they missed out. See, what we learn is that he expects that his bride is preparing. So we, his bride, what are we supposed to be doing? I want to give you three things real quick. Number one, to be ready, to be preparing, we are to watch and pray. Jesus said in Matthew, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. Now the thing I want to say about that is so often we, we look at that with a fear mindset. It's not a fear mindset. I want you to know that the groom is coming. I, don't, I, don't, I want you to know it's not just you know Barnum and Bailey coming to town or whatever. I want you to know we're talking about Jesus, the lover of our souls. I want you to know this is something that you don't want to miss out on. And so this is an encouraging word from Jesus. Hey, watch and pray. Encourage one another. Be mindful of the things going on around that correlate with things that he says will come to pass. In the last days, be watchful and prayerful that you don't, that you don't get distracted. Secondly, I learned that we're to grow in the knowledge of God. Now, how do we do that? Scripture says, you will know the truth. This is the truth, right? Pastor Ben says, I, can, I know your relationship with Christ based on your relationship with his word, right? And he says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So we are to, we are to study God's word. City Hope has an answer for that. What's our answer for that? To grow in the knowledge of God. It's small groups, right? By the way, they're launching next week. They're open today. You can already start looking at a small group. And, and what happens when we get in these small groups is that, that we're able to make friends. We're able to make connections. We're able to pull the mask off. We're able to get past our past. We're able to grow in the knowledge of God and to begin to, to mature as believers and followers of Jesus. See, the more we know, the more we can do, right? So we grow in the knowledge of God. Thirdly, we stay connected in the community of faith. Stay connected. In the, guess what? All of y'all are doing that right now. All of y'all are doing that right now. I mean, you're here. You're growing in the knowledge of God. And you're getting connected in the community of faith. You're probably hopefully sitting beside somebody you like, right? Right? 
And we're growing. We're, we're in the community of faith and we're connected. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't neglect continuing to do that. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another. Come on, let's go to church. Come on, let's go to small group. Come on, let's, let's do all these things because the community of faith, we encourage one another. And he said, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How I many of you know it's drawing near? I believe it with all of my heart. He expects that his bride is preparing for him. Revelation 19 and 8 says, she has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. Why? He wants a glorious church. For the linen, the fine linen, represents the good deeds of God's holy people. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. Finally, point three, he hasn't returned yet because he's patient. I want you to hear me. This is really important. God loves you. I mean... He really loves you. You understand love, I'm sure. First woman ever loved me was my mother. She taught me what love was. My wife loves me like no other. Hey, I'm a poet. First woman loved me was my mother. My wife loves me like no other. Hey, I need to write that down. I understand the love of children. We know what love is. I want you to understand that God Loves you. In fact, I believe if God has a refrigerator, your picture is hanging on it. And he's thinking about you all the time, even when he gets up at night to get a midnight snack. I'm probably the only one that does that. But he sees you. He loves you. He knows you. In fact, Jeremiah 29 and 11 says that he's constantly planning good things for you. He said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, not to harm you. Plans for hope and a future to give you, give you to prosper you. That's what he said. And, and, and he delights in your steps, the Bible says. He's planning good things for you. So as we walk the path God has for us, there's blessings. In fact, in Deuteronomy, he says that if we follow him, that there will be blessings that will chase you down. And overtake you. That's what the word said. He loves you. Please hear me. He loves you. And 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slow keeping His promise like some people understand slowness. He's not procrastinating like I do cutting the grass. I think it can go another day or two. It ain't deep enough to bog more down yet. That's procrastination. He's not doing that. The Bible goes on and said, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's good news, y'all. See, he don't want just a few of us. He don't want just one of us. He's gone away to prepare heaven for all of us. All of us. And he's inviting us all to be a part of his bride. In Revelation, Jesus said, look, I stand at the door and knock. Sometimes we don't want to hear that, but if the pizza delivery guy's coming, you do, don't you? <laughs> Jesus said, I'm standing at the door, your heart's door, and I'm knocking. And he says, if anyone hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in. See, there's one thing that he wants us to do as a church in this time of preparation. As we understand that he is patient. Here's the thing. It's in Matthew 28. It's not in the notes, but 
Many of you maybe know it. If you don't, just jot it down. Matthew 28, the end of the chapter. It's called the Great Commission. And the one thing he's asked the church to do, it's all about telling others about Jesus. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, they, the world, will know that you're my disciples by the way you love. You know, City Hope has an answer to that. We've committed the first Saturday of every month to come together as a church for about three or four hours on that Saturday morning just to go out and love people, to cut grass and rake leaves, and cook hamburgers, and you know, give away food, and pick up trash, and all, all these awesome things, building projects. We just go out and love people. Just go out and love people. Go out and love people. And by the way, next Saturday's first Saturday serve. And we're going to be doing what God's called us to do in the waiting. We're going to be loving other people, hoping that they'll be drawn to Jesus Christ by that love because He loves them. He's gone away to prepare a place not just for us, but for them too. And He's patiently waiting for their yes. Patiently waiting. See, He's planned His return precisely. He's expecting that His bride is preparing. And He hasn't come yet because He's patient. And that's good news, y'all. That's good news. I want to pray over you, if I can. If you would just bow your head for a moment. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, in Jesus' name, we are Your church. We are Your bride. And Lord, I just thank You for Your wonderful love that You have shown us in the cross and the invitation, Lord, to be a part of Your bride. Thank You for that. And we're excited about that wedding. And God, we, Your church, we are ready for Your return. We're ready, oh God. We know that You have planned it precisely. And we know, oh God, that, that, that You're expecting us to be preparing. And God, we're preparing. We're doing that work of being ready. We know that, God, you're patiently waiting for those that are soon, soon to say yes to you. But, God, I want you to know we're ready. We're ready. And, God, I got, an, I got a, a question I'd like to ask you today. Lord, would you just bless all of us right where we are and draw us all just a little bit closer to you? God, just one step closer to you today. In Jesus' name. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes still closed, if while I prayed and I said, God, we are ready, if there was a little check in your heart and you're like, I don't know if I'm ready, maybe you know that you've never invited Jesus into your heart. Maybe you did and you feel like you've wandered from God and you're just not sure. I want you to know you can be sure today because the Bible says that if we ask Him to forgive us of our sins, He will do it. The Bible says that, that if we confess Him with our mouth and believe in our heart, that He'll save us. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity and what I promise is I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to come down front. This is a decision between you and the Lord. But what I do want to ask is if you would like to invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart, on the count of three, I want you just to slip your hand up, right back down, so I know who I'm praying with. Okay? Just for me. No one else looking, please. So on the count of three, if you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart, 
would you just slip your hand up and right back down one two three I see that hand thank you thank you thank you I see that hand I saw four hands five yes anyone else anyone else say hey I want to be I want to be sure anyone else God bless you I see you in the balcony God bless you anyone else anyone else he loves you he loves you okay here's what I want us to do I love this part it's one of my favorite parts in fact I think in my mind if I'm imagining what's going on in heaven right now I think everybody in heaven has slipped up to the edge of their seat and they're looking down over City Hope right now and you might say that's crazy no I, I believe heaven's getting ready to rejoice because I saw six people that wanted to invite Jesus into their heart and heaven the Bible says throws a party when people come to Christ and right now with anticipation heaven is waiting so here's what I want us all to do I want us to pray this prayer together and and you might say well well, Pastor, I, I, I think I'm all right with me and God. I'm inviting you to pray it anyway because our voices create a perfect environment for those that are coming to Christ to feel completely comfortable in His presence. So you say it with me. Don't be ashamed to say it. You pray it loud and proud, okay? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I want to say thank you for the cross. And thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. Because of your word, I know today I can be saved. And so right now, Jesus, I'm asking you, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And I will follow you the best that I know how.